Sports Joe presents House of Rugby. Together with Heineken. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken. My name is Maud Rasnihul and I'm delighted to be joined by former Ulster and Ireland player Darren Cave and Pat McCarry, Joe's own Pat McCarry this week. We had a bit of a break this week. Our hearts were given a bit of a rest, but we still have a lot to get through as we look ahead to Ireland's final pool game against the Scots. So, Darren, Pat, how did you find this weekend not having an Ireland game? I think you need a better um, CV for Pat when you're introducing <laughs> him at the start of the show. Yeah. It's too long. It's Surely too long. father of four. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. Anything. Yeah. We'll work on it, Pat. Yeah, yeah. I apologise. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you go first, Pat. You, I, I watch the golf. Um, so I was thinking, yeah, my rugby lead into this is that I was also watching the golf. But <laughs> oh, great! Like, this is going to be a very <laughs> short podcast this week. Two of two of Ireland's biggest fans, I was going to say, Shane Lowry and Rory McIlroy, both yeah. did well at the Ryder Cup at the weekend. So, um, it, yeah, very weird weekend for the World Cup, wasn't it? It's like all the momentum, all the excitement, and then it's almost like you ease off the gas. Uh, for a few days so luckily enough for us in, in terms of like Joe and Sports Joe we had the Ryder Cup to get stuck into mm-hmm. and then now that's well actually we've, we'll ride that way for another day or two and then just hopefully kind of follow that up then to this Ireland-Scotland game at the weekend so uh, a couple of interesting games like Portugal their game is decent like Fiji just about got over the line mm-hmm. the Aussies nearly were, were back in uh, through, through the back door and, and then New Zealand kind of blew out the Italians unfortunately and and has led to more Six Nations debate who's going to come in who's going to come out as well so um, yeah we might get stuck into that a little bit later but yeah now the, the hype is all going to start building up again with all yes. the, the press appearances so yeah good weekend it was strange even looking back at you're kind of going well what like what did we learn what were the like what were the big results and like when you look through them and thinking back it I'm, I'm not sure that much mm. I definitely think Italy were dreadful mm-hmm. let's but uh, I do think that New Zealand lost heavily to South Africa uh, record yeah. and then lost to France and I do think like from an Irish point of view uh, not the team like pundits fans I do think they have been slightly dismissed. dismissed and I have had this kind of itch that it's like okay we've beaten South Africa brilliant um, that means we're likely to get New Zealand brilliant that's what we wanted we didn't want France and it is it never sat great with me yeah and I did from that New Zealand point of view they're completely out of the spotlight <laughs> They had that result against France, which wasn't that bad. France were yeah. a brilliant team at home. And they've now spent probably four or five weeks yeah. getting ready for that quarterfinal. And <clears throat> Italy were dreadful, but that was a like that it was an yeah. absolute scalping. And for me, I do think it was probably the one result that I thought, oh jeepers. Yeah, we might look into it in a bit more depth later on. But I think last weekend we can still talk a little bit about that victory that Ireland had because it was a game for the ages. We were building up to it for three years. So a week on, Darren, how do you reflect on Ireland's performance now? Um, It's funny. I think it it tees everything up uh, brilliantly because it's just added so much to it. Like from a South African point of view, very easy to look back at that game and go, we kick better, we win that game. Yeah. I personally don't think it's as simple as that, but um, a phenomenal game of rugby. I do think, you know, we were on, the three of us were on the pod building into it, and we did speak a little bit about how this bomb squad stuff and this 7-1 split, and that the one thing that, like if I was a South African fan, okay, I would probably prefer if we weren't 
trying these bizarre ideas. Let's see, can we play four scrum halves at once? Yeah. Yes. Let's see if we can get through this World Cup without playing a hooker at hooker. Um, that's the one thing about South Africa that I'm just not yeah, sure. To, yeah. And I get Malcolm Marx is injured totally. Um, but And I think that came back... To, to bite them against Ireland, I mm. think it was a crucial uh, line out uh, went wrong when uh, when Furry was thrown. Not the don't like the single players out. Obviously, the kicking made a difference. Um, I think South Africa they're likely to play France. What a quarter final that's going to be! Mm. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if we saw South Africa back in the final. I think if they have hookers who are match ready at hooker and somebody who's going to kick their goals. They're going to be really, really difficult mm. to beat. But like, what a game of rugby it was! It was brilliant. Oh, wasn't it was it? unbelievable. How do you feel now, Pat? Have you moved on? Or are you still basking in that win? It was good. Yeah, like it's one of those kind of good feelings that lasts you for a few days, like up until the Tuesday and Wednesday as well of that that week as well. So, so that was great. I kind of enjoyed the South Africans are very funny because like they would love their kind of the passion of the fan base and. Like so many comments on on this show as well, and people getting involved and kind of you you would put the show up, and all of a sudden on YouTube you're having five hundred comments, you know, from South Africans, and then they'll come in afterwards and say congratulations. Like mm-hmm. so, they're mad for trash talk, but then at the, the minute the game is over, they're like, yeah, fair play, and you're like, but what about all that nasty stuff you said about <laughs> us? And you're like, oh well, it's just a game of rugby. And there, some of the interesting <laughs> stuff I found was um, this South African kind of telling themselves that they were holding stuff back and. Like, I did see someone last night when they were playing Tonga saying, oh, it's interesting that they're mauling here because I thought they were holding that until the knockout stages. Like, you know, so they're kind of telling themselves that that everything's going to be all right. But they both sides, like, really put it up to each other. Like, and yeah, there's all this talk about, like, you know, what did they hold back? You know, they didn't, why did they not kick for the lion and stuff like that? But It's all part of Razzie's master plan. Yeah, and then this talk as well of, like... um, yeah, somebody would say like, oh yeah, they're holding stuff back so when when they meet Ireland again in the final, then they're really going to shock them. But I was kind of, probably because we've been starved of World Cup success, I was going, fine. You know, like, if, if if the equivalent of that is, well, meet you in the final, I'll take that. Like, and, yeah. you know, everyone in Ireland would be like, yeah, we'll meet you again. And um, But part yeah. of the reason it yeah. is so exciting for both sides, like both sides can definitely play better. Yeah. If I, if I was a South African fan, um, I would definitely believe in that game going okay we lost not ideal but we can beat them like there's absolutely mm. no doubt whatsoever that's South Africa yeah there are improvements show. to be made by both teams as you said like how will South Africa look on that result now will they say okay we'll park that and we'll move on and you know we can fix everything that went wrong there in uh, such fine margins yeah and then the, well the big thing is like yeah with Paul Ard coming back in as well and then he played against uh, Tonga then as well it's like yeah, how do you fit in Libok, who makes them play better they've all played with just to accommodate Pollard? Then there's people even talk about Damien Day Alande then being dropped just so you can fit Pollard in at 12, um, even playing Pollard at 15. It's just weird. It's like mm-hmm. they think Libok is so good they're going to have to almost like wedge in Pollard somehow. Like, But they have to do something because they're goal kicking. Definitely in the knockout stages, you have to take your points when they come on offer as well. So so that's a big thing for them to fix. Uh, I think Matt Pimpy just got him ruled out of the World Cup there. He had... Uh, it looked terrible last night, yes. fractured his cheek, worse than it looks like uh, DuPont did, who's back smiling with just kind of like a little mini little <laughs> bruise here. Like, But um, yeah, so who did I call back up? Did I call Lacanio Am in or did I call Dweeba in maybe as well? Like, So they have a couple of things that they can move around. But yeah, surely it's time for all the messing to stop. And uh, I'd say DuPont will play against them. And, you know, like let's say if assuming the quarterfinals work out the way we think they're going to work out and maybe just... Yeah, we, we might even get to that. Not dismissed in Scotland yet, but yeah. should be South Africa against France and DuPont will be playing against that. So that's going to be one hell of a game as well. But the improvements from an Irish perspective 
perspective as well. They're not going to be complacent. That'll sharpen their focus. It's a great position to be in. They've won that game, but they know they weren't at their best. And they're going to really look ahead now to Scotland and focus on that as the biggest game because it is, it's knockout rugby. How will the break have served Ireland to park that result now to to enjoy the celebrations, enjoy the time off, but to recover and to reset? How will that have benefited them? It's always one of those things that I think you do need a little bit of hindsight to see, like because when the fixtures came out yeah. and I hadn't taken the break into consideration that much and I, I there was part of me that thought I don't like this long, slow build up playing teams that let's be honest are no better than who you've played in your warm-up games mm-hmm. they were warm-up mm. games but then all of a sudden you're playing South Af- hopefully playing South Africa Scotland and hopefully three more games could yeah. be one could be none still um, all in the bounce uh, we do not have the one thing we don't have in Ireland is a track record of winning big games three, four, five, six, seven weeks on the row because we don't do it like mm. we don't like our players don't play, don't do that yeah um so the break's been very, very timely. And the other part of it, if from an Irish point of view, the South Africa game, in terms of performance, I I didn't think it was Farrell-esque in that it was just so gutsy. Mm. And they just found a way. And Paul O'Connell in the build-up was saying, you know, I, I love watching this team find solutions. And that's what they did. They just won the game. In terms of the precision, like, I think they have a few more gears. Yeah. You know, obviously the line-out can still improve. I think there was a lot of areas that they can be better. Um, but as a fan, you were a little bit between a rock and a hard place because mm-hmm. you couldn't not be dragged into it. Yeah. I don't know if emotionally is the right word, but like at full time and you were you were seeing the singing and you were like there was part of me that thought like that's the best Irish rugby experience I can ever remember in my life. Mm-hmm. Is there has there ever been a better, a bigger stage and for Ireland to go and deliver with that pressure, mm. everything attached to it? It was it was phenomenal in the scenes at, at full time. It was unbelievable. And then there was a you know part of you that thought we have achieved absolutely yeah. There are no trophies <laughs> won yet. Yeah. And how great is that for everyone else? Because Scotland. Like they're they're you can see they're trying to make it a chip on the shoulder. Yeah. They are constantly referencing referencing it. And um, if you're South Africa, you're probably sitting in the dressing room. Look at look at those guys doing laps of laps and dancing, and they've done nothing. They've mm. done absolutely nothing. So it was kind of, I think, as a fan, the one thing I do trust the 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 like the Irish management. I think they'll have had their few days off. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be back with an absolute bang mm. this week in training, and I think. Again, as fans and pundits, like Ireland are better than Scotland. They are. I'm mm. not saying they're going to win, but they're a better rugby team. Um, and I trust that the Irish players will be in the right frame of mind because they should know better than to treat Scotland lightly. Yeah. Emotions would have been high after that game, but how fresh will they be now having had that time off? Like, will that help with their focus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, very interesting. Like, because. Um even there was talk last week of uh, like Alan Gilpin and all was up from World Rugby about expanding this World Cup again. I was thinking, imagine like like you'd be gone for three months if you're expanding this thing anymore. Like so, uh, it's very funny to see those pictures of Pete and Conor Murray having like the the rosé, you know, with the the partners and and everyone chilling out and kind of like it's completely switching off. And I saw a funny tweet somebody was saying if you're a guy player, like you have a, a ban on drinking for the championship, and these boys are out having rosé <laughs> in France in the middle of it all. Like so. Um, but yeah, it's great like, to to try as much as you can. Maybe that's a family and friends being over there is good for, but just try and switch off. Like it is impossible to completely switch off the mind. Like you know when when you're in World Cup country as well. Like but 
um, yeah, they'll have enjoyed that. And then it's the whole thing about is getting them back in and and kind of going easy on them still. But as as you kind of said, Darren, it's probably today. Today's probably the big session, like Monday. They're just absolutely just trying to give them a shock yeah. to the system again to get them back into it. So, um, yeah, they'll, they'll have almost like been ready for this as well. You would like to think as well, like, but uh, they'll be straight back into it. And and maybe even like the players might even find out the team like today or early tomorrow as well. And and that will get the mind focused down as well. You know, you're playing. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of changes. Here's what we have to go do. They would have been very pleased with that performance, but very, very pleased with the result, but maybe displeased with a lot of aspects of their performance. So they'll pick, I'm sure, elements out of their display against South Africa apart and they'll they'll really zone in on them ahead of Scotland. You mentioned the line out there The you had they creaked a little at the um, scrum time as well. I saw Murray Kinsley, he did a piece on Ireland's entries into the 22, like they had 11 entries and only one try so that's a low return for Ireland was there anything from Ireland's performance that you you picked out apart from things I just mentioned there not really I mean from a performance point of view in terms of what we're producing on the pitch and like I think tactically like they're good technically they're good they know what they're what they're trying to do I think uh, from from here on in it's probably just about keeping bodies healthy and just getting your mindset right and that's the that is the thing coming into to, to this game mm-hmm. like you can imagine what Scotland are saying mm-hmm. I do think this fixture has has developed a little bit of bite more so than ever over the last five years yeah um because We've seen a huge improvement uh, in Scottish rugby and mm. Irish rugby. And I do feel like every year in the Six Nations, uh, I think, forget about the players for a second, in the fans, I do think the Scottish fans believe that the Ireland don't really take them seriously. Yeah. Um, and I do think as Irish fans, we're kind of like, look, we recognise Scotland are good, but like, you rock up every year and we beat you. And I do think it's added a lot of bite. We'll probably there'll probably be Scottish fans listening to this giving off about how we don't and and that's what Gregor Townsend will be trying to do. Paint mm. this picture. Oh, everyone's picked the quarterfinals. Nobody rates you. Nobody mm-hmm. respects you. Yeah. Um. So for Ireland, like I, I'm not concerned about their tactical approach. They'll know in defence. Okay, Finn Russell's key, but. Ireland defensively are good. You don't have to. I don't think they have to re- reinvent the wheel to beat them. I think it's just about getting the mindset right. Um, <clears throat> I do think it's interesting with selection in that he does have to still toe this line of there's players that haven't played. I don't. I. I don't think you'll see the same team. I don't think we'll see big rotations. Like mm. we need. This is the fifth best team in the world. Yeah. On a yeah. Comp, on a sophisticated algorithm. Yeah, we algorithm. have to respect them. They are a good side. They are capable of beating Ireland one hundred percent. But. He also has to be aware that there could be players, hopefully, who we we rely on later on in the championship that haven't played now. Mm. And if they don't play this week, like you're, you know, you're you literally have to go a hundred percent full metal jacket the whole way. And so that's I'm thinking of uh, O'Brien, McCluskey, yeah. Henshaw, guys that haven't uh, Conan, yeah. like mm. they have not played. Yes, yeah. And if they don't play this week, it's hard to ask a guy to slot into a quarterfinal or a semi-final when he hasn't played since. Samoa and you know what I mean yeah so it's it's just um, it's managing that and I suppose the last thing on that if you think of the psychology of the game I think Scotland would love Ireland to make a few changes because again it feeds that the game plan yeah. is they don't respect us that's yeah. the man that's the whole thing and how good for them would it be if we announced nine changes <laughs> they would love that um, so 
a lot of things going on. But but Ireland would be very confident. Like if we look at the facts, Ireland have won the last eight fixtures against Scotland. The last uh, yeah. game they played was over in Murrayfield. Careful. There was a spate of injuries, <laughs> but we have to be realistic. Yeah. There was a spate of injuries. Ireland had Josh van der Flyer thrown in at the line out. We had Keen Healy as hooker. It was in Murrayfield. Mm. And they couldn't capitalize on that. Yeah, that's uh, it's the funny thing, yeah, like cuz the Scots sometimes yeah, like the Scottish fans are like, why do you guys, like, they think that we hate them and we're always slagging them as well. And then there's this thing of like, I, I even saw somebody saying that, like, oh, hopefully the Scots talk themselves up this week. So there's always this perception that the Scots are that they're really cockier cocky. yeah. um, than, than the results say they should be as well. Like, and we're going to go out there, like, even again, the South Africa game, like, you have to back yourself. But it's like, we're going to go out and play air game. And the South Africans were like, no, you, like, they absolutely <laughs> destroyed them. Like, so, um, so it's that type of thing that the Scots like to talk themselves up. Uh, like Stuart Hogg when he was around did that as well and then would like I remember he threw an intercept try like at, at the Aviva as well and cost him the game as well and there always seemed to be a bit of bite there between him and some of the Irish players but um, yeah they kind of I don't know it was, even I was going to say to you Darren like did you ever have that like even with Ulster as well or with Ireland like that kind of bit of a rivalry because it, it's more pronounced Monster between Glasgow Ar- yeah, is yeah. a big rivalry there more, yeah. so, more so with the uh, other provinces yeah because <clears throat> if you uh, look at it from an Ulster point of view um, we would have always <clears throat> actually not a dissimilar dynamic we would have believed that <clears throat> Leinster in particular didn't really respect us and we would have believed that we were better than we were given credit for by fans and players in in Dublin, yeah. which was probably true, but when push came to shove, who won the fixtures? Yeah. Therefore, the Leinster mentality, uh, players and fans, was also they're not bad, but they're the wee brother. Yeah. And yeah. I do think that it's actually a similar. Like mm-hmm. I do, I do. Scotland are a good side, but you cannot like. I'm interested to hear some of you make uh, like a real detailed argument as to how they're better anywhere near as good as Ireland. Eight fixtures, like you've set it up. It's a it's a home run, MT, in your words. <laughs> um, but that that similar dynamic, and I think the fans do have a point. I do think they're much improved, and they want people mm. to to notice that. Obviously, but the issue they have in the in the sort of Ireland, like the, we keep beating them. Yeah, um, and I can see how that's frustrating, and yeah, I think it, it it sets up that, like, of all the sort of they're the so-called third team in, in our group. I know that's, but they still have a chance to make the quarterfinals. So it's worth noting that if they beat Ireland with the bonus point, then they still have a chance of making the quarterfinals. Am I right? In yeah, saying that's that Ireland part? have to co- get zero. Like, so if Ireland get a losing bonus Lo- point, they're okay. Like, and, and then there's another. Seven billion yeah, permutations there. Yeah, so if they beat there, them with well. more than by more than seven points, mm. then Scotland are through. But the last time Scotland beat Ireland by more than seven points was two thousand and one. I know. I just love <laughs> throwing those facts out there. They're for you to write in your iPad. Uh, this isn't even on. There's nothing here. <laughs> but I was thinking, even like let's say players that like let's say Rory Darge, like who, like you look at him and he's like a class act whenever you see him. But then when he comes to play Ireland again, like he, or like uh, Jamie Ritchie or something like that as well, and. Um, yeah, like sometimes, like they're they they're great. They they look brilliant against one team, and then it comes to the crunch, and which is the thing. Like that, Ireland have at a World Cup. When it comes to the crunch, we'll get to a quarter final, and we'll be kind of written off. Or like if if we come up against the All Blacks, there'll be a lot of people saying you guys can't do it when it counts. So this is what the Scots are dealing with at the weekend. You guys can't do it when you really have to. Like so, yeah. Uh, yeah and they're gonna they'll be trying as as Darren says, like trying to talk themselves up all week, and any kind of 
any crumbs that's left out there, like they'll they'll they're gonna leap on it, like you know. And, and as even Darren was saying, like yeah, team changes. Like uh, if they make more than three, it's like look at this, they're resting. Yeah, lads, you know, like, yeah, yeah. respect us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as well what adds into that is Ireland. Uh, it's a bit rich coming from us about re- relying on one player. I don't think we're as reliant on Johnny Sexton as they are on Finn Russell, um, and that tends yeah. to bring with it inconsistencies. Like if you have, if you are, listen, put it this way: if Finn Russell doesn't play well this weekend, they won't win. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, mm. we can all agree with that. Now we would also say if Finn Russell has a blinder, they are more than capable of winning that game. But when you're I still still think that Ireland, like if Johnny doesn't play well or doesn't play, like I still mm-hmm. think we can win the game without him. Yeah. And when you have, I, I actually have felt watching Connacht in the past, there's times where I've been like, if Jack Hardy doesn't play well, they don't win. And that's why I think sometimes with teams in that position, you see fluctuations, you see inconsistencies, because if a key guy in a key position, if it doesn't all fall for him, then the whole thing kind of falls apart. Mm. And I do think there's a bit of that about Scotland. They work a lot uh, or they attack a lot off unstructured play. Like that's what their game is based around. Whereas Ireland on the attack, they're probably one of the best teams under pressure to to play out these pre-planned moves. And so you'd imagine if they shut down Finn Russell and if he if he hasn't or those that back three, if they don't have that freedom, that Ireland should comfortably have the upper hand. Would you be careful? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) I actually think. An interesting way of looking at it is the way South Africa defend. Like I think that's a real for Scotland. They like playing long, kind of loopy passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Ireland's attacks uh, a bit more like <clears throat> condensed, shorter passes, more kind of uh, deception, asking players to make decisions. Um, and that Scotland attack, it's really not suited to play against South Africa. And I think I was surprised. Um, that they didn't sort of change more when they played the box. Mm. But us, like, we don't defend as... I think we're slightly more susceptible to a Scotland attack than the box are, if that kind of makes sense. Um, But having said that, like, I don't think Ireland have... If you look at the uh, this Irish team in terms of what their identity as a team is, I don't think they really have... Like, on the pitch, like, they're, they're quite... They're not perfect, but they're no glaring weaknesses. You know, we've we've lost a couple of lineouts and it's yeah. become a huge thing. Yeah. Well, that's because like defensively they're quite sound, their discipline's quite good, their attack, some of their their um like their kicking game's good, some of their pre planned plays are good. Um so I think I don't think Ireland will be changing too much defensively, other than I do think there'll be a wee bit of extra attention put on a certain number ten. So how do they go about shutting him down? Like what will their plan be? For for Ireland, um, it'd be like almost trying to copy in a very similar way to what South Africa did, where uh, Josh van der Fleer leads the kind of the defensive line and, and it's kind of the big press. And it's like you'll see what they do. Like if you ever look at the match stats for Gary Ringrose, he's, he's always down for three or four missed tackles. Like, But he's shooting up on purpose almost to miss a tackle just to get in the way. <laughs> like, you know, like, and, and there's a great talent of, at, at that as well. Like, um, so he will do that as well. It's like getting in the, in the passing lanes kind of like really kind of uh, doing almost like the L shape around them and then it's up to like Van der Fleer which I kind of it'd be interesting to see if they make a back line cha- or a back row change but I think Van der Fleer is going to start and he'll be kind of leading that tempo as well um, and then yeah it's interesting it's like just trying to put as much pressure on on Russell as well because he's going to be the guy he's going to make all the big decisions and um, like I can't see like you know they have a great centres like um, th- like their, their centre pairing is great as well but 
Um, yeah, Ireland will kind of be like, they, I can't imagine them punching too many holes through the middle of Ireland as well. So, And um, it all comes down to the platform the forwards get as well. Yeah. So do, do they have the firepower to come up against Ireland to trouble them? Um, no, I was even kind of trying to, like, nothing would... Oh God! It was almost like you know you're thinking you're right and something. I was like I was going to say nothing would worry worry yeah, about them. Like we've got to no, we've got to be careful here. <laughs> it's like if we played back wrong next the week. weekend. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing would worry me. But like yeah, there's nothing has stood out from the last few games or like they've been in trouble on the set pieces anyway. Like so, I think that's something that really look to fix. I wonder if Dan Sheehan just comes in to get. I think he probably will like come in from a start. And does that fix the line out issues a little bit more? Um, it'd be interesting to kind of go back and kind of see. Like I know what they were saying about Ronan Callagher, some of the lift thing was a bit off as well but they overshot an awful lot of of those line outs as well like so they have to if they clean that up and if they have that defensive press as well um and then if yeah as i said if, if they can bottle up finn russell as much as they can um they should be in good shape yeah looking at the changes so you mentioned that you'd like would you like to see a few changes or is it that you think andy farrell would make a few changes or is he going to stick to the core group He's always next game focused. He's always picked his strongest team. It was funny. It wasn't the last time we were on here and we were chatting about how many times I've been shocked at a final mm. decision and I've been wrong. Like, uh, so what underpins like what underpins this is that I trust him. I trust his selection so much. And mm. the, uh, I, I've said it before. I'm actually wondering. I feel like in Ireland there's been an unwritten rule ever since 2007 when the World Cup went like completely wrong. There's been an unwritten rule that everyone's going to play. Mm. I went in 2015 when there was an unwritten rule that everyone's going to play. Now, I don't know if everyone got to start, but everyone got minutes. And that was the same in uh, 2019, and it's been the same in 2011 to go back. Um, and I'm now beginning to wonder. And your first sort of impression would be, well, Farrell, this is supposed to be the happiest Ireland camp ever. Mm. Therefore, everyone will play. Of course mm. they will. But then the more it goes on, it's, it's the biggest World Cup squad they've ever mm. had. There's never mm. been 33s before. And I'm actually now starting to wonder, is it actually such a positive group? Is it actually such a positive environment that he doesn't need to hand out token minutes to people to keep, you know, because there's no bad eggs in the group already? Yeah. Um. So I think... I don't think you'll see... Listen, you could make equal and uh, opposite arguments for probably everyone. Part like the likes of... Centre is probably the one because we've got two out-and-out centres that haven't started a game yet. Yeah, 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 Henshaw and, and McCluskey. And two guys who've played, who have... Like, I think I always had Ringrose up there as one of our most important players, but, like, Bundy's form. Um, and if you take Bundy out and put Robbie in, like, it's not... like I mean, you're putting, you're taking in, you're you're, sw- you're swapping a line for a line, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do think, uh, yeah. But well, Bundy in the form that he's in, can you leave him out? That's the other. That I mean, that yeah, that's equal and opposite point. And mm. you know, the likes of, I just can't help thinking <clears throat> there's some players who I wouldn't mind seeing them get a little bit of rugby, going into potent, hopefully going into quarterfinal, semifinal. And um, good thinking, you know, we haven't haven't seen Jimmy O'Brien. Yeah. Probably McCluskey's the one who I'm now looking going, I'm not sure he's going to play. Mm-hmm. Because all four of our centres are out and out centres. I know Ringrose can play on the wing, but you don't want them there. Um, Conan's probably just fit in the nick of time, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could still see an argument for him not playing. Yeah. Like yeah, he, is he is he is he that much better than Ram Baird with rugby underneath his belt? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, in uh, in Andy, we trust. 
Did, well, that, did I even come close to answering your question? No, you didn't answer it at all. You danced around it a lot. Pat, sure you know. Pat you what changes it. would you make? Um, yeah, it starts Sheehan. And then, yeah, I, I was I was actually going to go down the same path as Darren. Where like a couple of weeks ago, I would have definitely said to you, oh, everyone's going to feature O'Brien and McCloskey are going to be at least on the bench or something like that against against Scotland. But now it gets closer to the game. I'm starting to kind of think maybe, maybe not. Like, Because um, then, yeah, you'd be putting... Because Bundy... Unless he goes on the bench, he wouldn't feature in a game for three weeks then between between stuff. And then he's in such good form, why he kind of almost ice him? Like, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it's very interesting. But I think Dan Sheehan definitely, you could just see someone like Henshaw starting then as well. And then maybe Bundy being on the bench, but still getting half an hour. Um, and then there was talk, like I was listening to last week's show with Johnny and, and Sene as well. And they're talking about maybe give like Finley Bealham a start just to kind of ease up on... Like, you could do something like that. Maybe three, four changes or something like that. Whereas, again, a couple of weeks ago, I might have said five changes. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think three and a half. The bench <laughs> play. The bench play. Who's the half? Um, <laughs> Casey. <laughs> the bench players that came on last week made a huge impact. So have any of them, you know, put their hands up? Are they pushing for a, a starting berth? Um, I thought the bench were, were, were really, really strong. And that was kind of the the interesting twist on the bomb squad it was the fact mm-hmm. that our bench ca- um came on and really impacted the game positively uh the only thing you would say in uh sort of opposite to that is like the starters all played so well really yeah. in terms of like our out and if if Farrell sat down and said this is our absolute best this is the best rugby team i can pick this weekend forget about game times forget mm-hmm. about would there be changes <clears throat> i think Shane um, would come in mm-hmm. but outside of that like I think the back line the best back line is is, is set in stone mm. um, and like well, you know who who could you drop from the back row you know obviously Henderson played well but like in the second row like the, there's, there's mm-hmm. no real Henderson played really well when he came on he was great but yeah. you can't drop the other lads, yeah. Um, so in our ab, if he if he was trying to pick his absolute, this is my best possible team I can. I think Shane might slip in, um, but there's more to it than that. So I do agree. I think I'd be surprised if there wasn't sort of three or four. Mm-hmm. But even when you talk about resting, would I be astounded if he said, "Well, actually, I want to keep Bundy going, but I want to protect Gary, so I'm actually going to play Robbie or Bundy at 13. I actually wouldn't be that surprised if he did that. Mm. Um, you know, so it, uh, yeah. Again, in Andy, we trust. Well, you're going to love this segue now. One player who knows what it's like to fight for a place on the team is Ian Madigan. See the segue now? Mm-hmm. Fighting for places on teams. So Johnny Sexton, he fought with him for years to get that starting, starting berth. You chatted to him recently. He just announced his retirement. Tell mm. us about that. Yeah, yeah. He just um, he announced there. Like he was going well at Ulster and then just injuries that they just kept dogging him in a way. Like that last season of his was, was pretty blighted as well. Like, but... Um, yeah, he spoke really well. Like, I was asking him about, like, uh, I saw Darren was messaging when, when he kind of uh, put up his, it was like a lovely essay almost, like, uh, that he put out on Instagram when he retired. And But he was saying one of the things that he loved best was the the younger lads that he kind of was, maybe even at Ulster, that he'd kind of worked with. And they were one of the ones that sent the nicest messages. And so Darren, maybe the, your message wasn't nice <laughs> enough. What was yours? A goat? <laughs> am, I, uh, am, I, am I not young? <laughs> Uh, what, the younger guys and Darren he kind of mentioned like as, as the ones that stood out but uh, yeah he was kind of just talking about that and how much it meant to him and then you see he's got, he's gone on to coaching as well like so uh, he was probably doing a little bit of that in his last couple of seasons but yeah he was he was in good form uh, speaking about retirement and the, the support his family and friends gave him and, and then yeah we moved on to Sexton and Scotland as well so good chat here's what he had to say 
yeah, it's, it, it's been great. Like obviously, it was um, you know, I had plenty of time to 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 think about it, um, and you know, I've probably seen other players doing it over the years, and and it can be a bit of a rush job, um, and. I just thought it was a it was a nice opportunity. People who had helped me throughout my career, whether it was coaches, family, friends, um, you know, different clubs, my school, um, and of course the supporters, you know, to 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 thank them for, you know, allowing me to fulfil my dream and in, in, in being a professional rugby uh, player and and um, you know even from you know the time that I, I I left Leinster, you know, I always felt like I had the Leinster supporters that you know uh, supporting me wherever I played. Um, um, overwhelming, really. The the response that it, it got. Um, I still have a lot of people to get back to, so apologies if, if there's anyone waiting on a text message that I haven't got back to. Hopefully, I'll finish it off um, over the weekend. Um, this weekend's going to be a bit quieter. So, and and was there anything like you know, like as you said, you got a, probably a lot of messages, and you're only getting back through some of them. But was there anything that you got from someone that really gave you pause and kind of went, you know, that kind of like. Was there a message that kind of surprised you that you got when you retired from anybody that stood out? I suppose the one that had the the, the most positive effect on me was, um, you know, as, as a whole, men aren't particularly good at expressing themselves. And, um, you know, for me, receiving messages off players that I would have mentored in Bristol and, 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 and at Ulster, you know, who might have been 18, 19, you know, when I was, you know, trying to impart my wisdom and what I'd learned through the game, um, and having them reaching out to me and, and you know thanking me for the impact that I've had on you know their careers both on the field and off the field, um, you know that was that had a real field goal factor for me. Um, and then look, just you know old old teammates reaching out and and kind of talking about you know the memories that we had of playing together, you know sharing a dressing room together, um, stuff that you know you've forgotten about, and and um, also as well like you know there's there's so many players that I've played with throughout my career that, you know, you, you naturally lose touch with some of them and being able to reconnect um, over something like this and, and you know, organise to meet up for a coffee or a beer or a round of golf has, has been um, really enjoyable. And um, just uh, like, yeah, there was a lovely one. I suppose in the post as well, just a lovely kind of message about that your your granddad as well and you're talking about him getting there early as well. Like, um yeah, just kind of that that kind of family connection. It's amazing how much it kind of means to them, isn't it? Like, and um, but that that was a lovely touch. I thought. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like family have been a huge part for me. You know, like the the sacrifices you know my mom and dad and my brother and sister would have made. Um, you know, through throughout the, you know, my school playing rugby in school and and the earlier parts of my career. You know, missing out on holidays or or you know the family going over to to watch a match over potentially going on a family holiday. Um, and then my granddad, you know, he's, he's been um, my number number one supporter to, throughout my career. Um, you know, I think back to him ferrying me all around Dublin when I was playing for Chemical Crokes. Um, and, you know, he, he he's he's very knowledgeable in all sports. You know, he watches a huge amount of it and he's, he's given me brilliant feedback on both, you know, how I how he thinks I could improve as as a as a player and and also like with with um with everything outside of the game like he he'd analyze any interview I did or any newspaper article that came out and and tell me what he liked and and what he didn't like and what he thought I could uh, <clears throat> what he thought I could do better um so yeah it was it was very nice to be able to to you know say that about about Larry and um 
I went over to him the the day that I announced it, and that's something that, that I, you know I'll always remember. Is um, you know, he was the the first person that I, I read out the statement to, and um, yeah, it was pretty special sharing that moment with him. And like, um, I, I don't know if, if it was mentioned in the piece or if you even want to say or can say, but like, what was the injury that got you in the end, or was it an accumulation of things? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I um, in the the Ospreys game last October, um, it's quite an unusual incident. One of one of our own players, um, was was tackled, you know, with you know legally just after he passed the ball. I was tracking the ball, and he he landed into my um, into my leg, and I hyperextended it um, and fractured below my knee and tore the capsule at the at the back of my knee. And um, while the the Ulster medical team did a fantastic job and 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 Ray Morn uh, as a consultant to to do their best to get me back fit I knew deep down that I you know I wasn't um wasn't the same athlete that I was before that injury and um you know while I did get back playing in a couple of games um I wasn't able to train with the same intensity and off the back of you know a, a break when when Ulster season finished I still thought look there's a possibility I could you know give it one more give it one more go for um for, for this season. Um, but once I got back training, you know, I realized pretty quickly that, that that wasn't going to be an option. You know, my knee was still swelling up and, um, yeah, I, I, I knew and off the back of medical advice that, you know, it was the right time for me to call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, like even from lads I've talked to over the years, who have retired and stuff. It's like, I would say to you, take it easy on yourself. Cause there's no pressure. I always find people that first year or two kind of are desperate to, to do stuff again but you'll find you'll find your feet eventually but have you have you been looking at other stuff i see you're doing the coaching already is that something you're keen to to do a bit more of yeah like you know i'm um moving into a full-time role with with data ships so i've been you know uh working somewhat part-time you know in the last couple of seasons that i was playing with ulster you know if i wasn't selected i was able to work you know on a thursday or friday afternoon with the guys so i'm familiar with how that how the business works and um heading into a role um you know heading up the partnerships with, with data ships so I'm trying to um build out relationships with the likes of web development agencies with the the intention that they'll install our software into their their clients websites um so that would be my main focus um and then you know obviously with the world cup on there's there's um plenty of opportunities so I've been working with with virgin either doing co-coms or or doing some of the, the punditry and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed dipping my toe into that. So, you know, hopefully that's something I can continue um, as the URC kicks off and, and European rugby. Um, and then, yeah, so, I'm, you know, and then from a coaching point of view, um, it's great to be back down to Black Rock, you know, a club that gave me so much when when I left school. Um, you know, I was, uh, not that I'd, I'd fallen out of love with the game, but, I, you know, I'd had a setback in my final year in school and, um, being coached by the by the likes of you know Greg McWilliams when I was an under under twenty player, um, you know he he played a kind of uh, a very open style rugby and and you know very much uh, got me falling back in love with the game. So t- to be able to to get back into Black Rock with you know old old friends like Mick Harty who runs the club um, and be able to give back to to some of the young players, um, some of the young men that are, that are are playing for Black Rock and. Um, you know, I've been passionate about women's rugby through, especially from my time in Bristol when I saw, you know, um, how well they um, 
look after the women's team and how they integrate the, the men's and the women's. Um, and even, I suppose, you know, from, from my own sister, Louise, looking at her and, and, and seeing that she didn't get the opportunities that I would have got growing up. So, um, you know, I am passionate about helping the, the women's game and um, I'm generally going to be down one night a week where I'll, I'll cover both the, the the men's team and then the women's uh, train later later than the men's so I can cover the two in one night. Um, but my role is isn't um, isn't too official. I'm 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 very much a, an advisor, so I'll help with the the attack, uh, the team attack with both teams and and the backline attack. But um, you know, Stan McDowell is is very much the the attack coach, and um, James Laney's heading it up. Perfect. And and then I suppose just looking ahead to the World Cup because we're right in the thick of it, and it's it's just kind of mad to think that like you know your own rivalry over the years with <clears throat> with Sexton and going for the jersey and and here he is with like you know years later and Crowley's there up against him as well. Just like <laughs> what what's the kind of like what what type of a guy is he and what does what makes Sexton tick that he's still there at the age of thirty eight still at the top of his game. Yeah, I think the 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 you know the one of the most impressive things with Johnny that isn't isn't talked about a whole lot is um his ability to adapt um as the professional game moved on. You know, so like Johnny had a certain style of play, you know, back in 2008, 2009 and he would have changed it and and played the game differently in 2015, 2016 and then you know, you look at how he plays the game now and in in 2023 and it's it's very different again and He's he's very much been a trendsetter for for rugby, you know. Um, a lot of people would have would, would have tried to copy what he's done, um, and you know to 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 stay ahead of the game is is testament to him, and and to to stay in the in the the peak physical shape that he's in, you know. I, I've he's as fit as I've ever seen him look. Um, you know, to he was at the center of, of everything Ireland did against South Africa. You know, he. he multiple um triple and and quadruple efforts in that game and uh for for a man who's 38 he, he certainly didn't look it um but yeah look Johnny's a he's a born winner and and I really enjoyed um you know training and playing with them um he was he was very good at, at helping me with my own personal game you know whether it was tips at my goal kicking or kicking out of hand or how to set up the team um he was very good at at, at um passing on you know information that he'd already learned, um, and I'm sure he's doing the exact same with with Jack and Ross now. Yeah, because I was going to wonder about that. It's good to kind of hear about that because it's like there is that you know you're you're fighting for your own position. Like although sometimes you were so versatile, you could kind of switch into other positions. But you know, is he like that? He is someone who's given of his time. Like because a lot of people, you know, you see that the front to him, but what's he kind of like behind the scenes as well? Yeah, like the the big thing with Johnny, like I, I know he's he's incredibly competitive, and and you know he he'll he'll drive drive guys on individually, and at times it can be it can be tough to to listen to his his criticism, but it's always coming from a good place, and and with Johnny, it's always team first, and you know that that's even in in the ten position with guys that he's competing with, he'll still have the team first, you know. Um, when it comes to that and, 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 you know, he was never one to hold back information. Um, now look, when it got to the training pitch and it was the first team against the second team and you'd be going at it and it'd be really competitive. Um, you know, he'd want to get an edge on you, but that's very different to, you know, when training ends and you're, you know, reviewing, um, what we could do better as a team, he'd always work together in, in that situation. 
And then just like, you know, you, you've played with a good few of the lads who are kind of like now just kind of um, really kind of impressing so much over at the World Cup. But like, I suppose like, um, like anybody who's kind of really standing out to you so far, like, you know, who's kind of like even even those Leinster lads that kind of like were even up and coming as you were kind of at the side as well. Like anybody who's you've kind of been really impressed with has kind of kicked on to that kind of world class level. Yeah, like I, I remember Gary Ringrose was, was breaking through as um in you know my last couple of seasons in Leinster and um I look back at Matt O'Connor's reign and and I and I think you know Gary could have saved Matt O'Connor you know if, if Matt was brave enough to pick him because he was carving up in training when he was playing in the, in the second team and um he he was screaming out to you know to to Matt just pick me like because what I'm doing in training I'll be able to do in games and and we've seen that over the last seven or eight years he's he's a player who who works extremely hard and he he's just getting better and better and I I think as as Arden progresses to the knockout stages um we're going to see the best of of Gary Ringrose and um I think his his partnership with, with Bundy Aki is is really flourishing and I think Bundy's been absolutely fantastic in this competition possibly the player of the tournament so far. Um, and, you know, it, what it, it's one thing being impressive against Romania and Tonga. Um, you know, his performance against South Africa was the best I've ever seen him play against a, a, a top side. Um, you know, he, he just looks like a player full of confidence. He, he's he's running his lines with real patience. Um, he looks physically in, in phenomenal shape. And, you know, he's someone who I hope is going to continue to grow throughout this competition. And just the last one for you then as well is um, just your own kind of personal battles over the years with like, well, plenty of times playing Scottish sides, but I think you played a couple of times against them in the Six Nations as well. And um, yeah, any kind of anything stand out from those kind of past memories? And and what was there like was, you know, Ireland and Wales always seems to have a bit of bite to it. But was there was that same kind of relationship with Ireland and Scotland games? Yeah, I, you know, personally, I always enjoy playing against the, the Scots, you know, whether it was Edinburgh, Glasgow or, or the, the national side. They were always really tough games, um, but they, they were always played in a good spirit. And, and the Scottish lads are, are um, you know, they're, they're great personalities within all those sides that you meet up with after the game. Um, you know, Mark Bennett in particular is someone who's uh, who our friendship has, has continued on outside of the game. Um, but yeah, look, the, 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 this Scottish game is going to be really tough. They've they've um, you know really good backline, two of the best wingers in the world, in my opinion, in Stain and Van der Merve. Um, we saw them come unstuck against Scotland with that wide, wide game plan, and I think they're going to try and change things up for for this Irish match. Um, you know, Gregor Townsend's a smart coach, um, and the, the the challenge for him is is getting the Scottish team you know, on the same page with a game plan that he thinks is going to be good enough to beat Ireland. Um, but look, our record against Ireland's really good over the last um over the last few years. I think we have won the last seven games. Um I think if you if you if you dive into the archives, you're gonna to have to dive pretty deep to find uh, the last time Johnny Sexton lost to any Scottish side. Um I don't think it's happened in the last 10 years. So um I I, I can't see that um that changing on uh, on Saturday week. Nice chat there with Ian Madigan. What was he like to play with? He's a bit of a, he was a bit of a, a bit of a maverick, was our Ian. Um, and you know, it's funny when he signed for Ulster. I thought it was a great signing. Mm. Um, but it, it always, it was something I always felt was really strange. The fact that um, you know Ulster had signed him, but they didn't really play him. I find it like, and I'm not talking about like. Um, even like he, he never really even competed with Billy Burns. It was always like they, they, they I find it very strange that they, they signed him and then didn't play him. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't signed him in the first place, you know, but 
okay, you don't want them. But to get to have a guy with that much of experience in that position and to have, you know, players missing and uh, at certain times of the year and injuries and he um I was very surprised he didn't play more at Ulster. Um but listen, I think away from rugby, like from me and my transition out of rugby, I think what he's done it's only a personal opinion, but I think it's very, very smart. I think a lot of times guys play for as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And the longer you play for, the harder the transition is to, um, you know, the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what he's done is very, very smart. There's no doubt he could have played rugby for probably four more years, mm-hmm. like a an international 10 who can kick pet. Like if he couldn't get a contract, there's no hope for, yeah. for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's actually very smart from like a business point of view. Um, you know, he's got his business hat out. He's out, he's out in, the, in, in the big bad corporate world doing good things. And uh, we wish him luck. He's going to do well. Yeah, friend of the show. He'll be back with us in a few weeks. Um, if we look at other results from the weekend, you touched on New Zealand, 96-17. They were pretty <laughs> impressive, weren't they? Yeah, um, and Will Jordan just patting the stats even more. Even more, uh, he's yeah. got an incredible rate as well. And yeah, they, they kind of had to take this as seriously as they could. And um, yeah, they didn't let up at all. And like, I, I just you just start getting really worried that it was going to hit triple figures. And and then all of a sudden that was a victory at the end that it didn't hit. You know, over a hundred as well. And the Italians kind of, I think, um, the Oane nearly get or got over at the end and stuff. And um, so yeah, and it was. They just absolutely steamrolled them. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was, um, and then a lot of players would have. They'll feel a lot better about themselves after that. Like you know, it's it's always they been needed a, that hit out, didn't they? They yeah. needed to have that cohesion. That was their strongest team starting. They weren't taking yeah. any chances, but they really wanted to lay down a marker. Yeah, and, and just that ruthlessness as well of kind of not letting up on a team, and and like they could have easily have cruised that last half an hour, like, but they just said, let's kind of treat this like it's a big big game here, and let's just be ruthless. So like, real, yeah, Italy, like. The the Capuzzo try was was brilliant now, like you know, and Ireland will have looked at that closely and said, okay, well, it shows you can kind of by just kind of switching things up a little bit and doing those little quick passes back, you can kind of get it New Zealand as well. But there, you wouldn't have learned much else if you were if you're trying to target yeah. the New Zealand defence, like so. Yeah, it was very impressive. And um, Italy were poor yeah. though. Yeah. They were dreadful and um, <clears throat> I think it's tough when you get, I don't want to call Italy an emerging nation, but Italy do play like a good brand of rugby, and I think. <clears throat> they've tried to reinvent their brand of rugby quite successfully. Mm. I think the issue they had with this game is that they've gone to play New Zealand with, and they've tried to play the exact same way as New Zealand. Like New Zealand, we would always associate it as being, you know, the highest skill, the nicest offload. Like it's always a nice brand of rugby. Um, and Italy have gone into the game with the same, well, you know, we'll take them on at their own game. Like realistically, what Italy should be trying to do is disrupt you know, yeah. the Argentinian style of play yeah, whereby yeah. kick it and disrupt them and try and live off scraps. So you go to play New Zealand at their own game when you're not as good. Mm. Um, you're not going to win. And <laughs> yeah. it was a huge, I mean, it's a phenomenal result. I think, again, we touched on it before. What, where the alarm bell sort of went for me, I remember um, playing against New Zealand, but what you always would have spoken about as a player is like, uh, don't kick loosely. That's what New Zealand are known for. Like those phenomenal back three runners mm. and creativity and do not, like Will Jordan, don't yeah. kick loose to him. And we used to talk about when you kick it out, kick it into the stand. So make sure a supporter, it, like it Touch can't it, be yeah. a quick throw. Um, kick it into the stand, kick it into the stand, kick it in the stand. And that would be what I would say if you're going to beat New Zealand, yeah, don't kick loose, kick mm-hmm. it out. That's fine. But interesting now and is it the Schmidt factor but at the weekend I believe they scored off first phase lineouts 
seven times. Whoa, okay, yeah. Seven yeah. tries of first phase lineouts. And that scenario, listen, at least the fence was a disgrace. But that shows a shift, and I yes. think that's going to be really interesting going later in the tournament. The game plan always, you, like you don't kick loose against New Zealand. It's a, it's a, like it's it's written in the laws of rugby. Yeah. It's probably in the book somewhere. <laughs> um, so very interesting that yeah. they've not. And if you think back to the France game, where they caused problems for France was actually from launch. There was one where Artie Sevilla actually did a wee chip kick. Um, uh, Ricky Uani went through in the first phase, which led to the cross. So it's very interesting just watching New Zealand. That, that shift. They've added that to their game. So if you can't kick loose to them, and now they're saying, yeah, don't kick loose, kick it out. Yeah, we can't play for it. But actually, I mean, yeah. as bad as Italy were, seven tries off first phase line-out is... Honestly, the most phenomenal stat. So yeah. that I, is something to watch for later in the tournament. Yeah, they'll be licking their lips as well. All this talk of Ireland wanting totally. to meet New Zealand. And Ian mm. Foster had some pointed comments after the game mm. saying that it was a more interesting performance than the Ireland-South Africa game. Is he just doing that to rile everyone up? Just strange. Yeah, like when you initially read it, it was like you'd almost think it's an ins- well, insult or like a bar, but like both sides because he was saying the ball was only in play for 27 minutes and is this what people really want? And... I kind of think it might be more directed at South Africa than Ireland. Like, they're the ones... Ireland want to play that game. They want to have the ball and play a little bit more. Yeah. So it's kind of maybe more 60-40 towards South Africa as well. But, yeah, the response to that for most people had was like, that was the more interesting game than watching you guys flake Italy <laughs> as, as well. Like, and score seven, you know, first phase tries off lineouts as well and, and just, you know, cut through them like like a knife through butter as well. So, um, yeah, it's easy to talk that talk after you've just went out and nearly put 100 points on a team but um, it's kind of up to you then as well like I know South Africa did it that to the Lions they like to slow it down as much as they can and they like to turn it into a war as much as they can as well but um, yeah it's like it's I don't know they can't really be talking at the moment like they have like which is it's and that's not in New Zealand they don't like not to be like that and they have to play the humble guys for the next kind of week or two as well like but um, yeah strange enough comments what did you think of it? I thought it was a bit strange as well mm. um I'm personally normally a big fan of high scoring games. Like I like seeing tries. I like, um, but if you would prefer to watch New Zealand Italy ninety six seventeen than an Ireland South Africa game, you're at, like you're, you've lost the plot. So while he does have a point, he also doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Um, and just a strange. Uh, I thought it was just. I thought it was a straight. If I was him, I'd be keeping my head down. This yeah. is sitting beautifully for them. They've completely written off. Mm. Ireland are dying to play them in the quarterfinals. Um, and what's becoming more and more apparent in this Rugby World Cup is that the lopsided draw, like, <laughs> I think it's great because you're seeing the, the sort of jostling for places on both sides. Yeah. Um, but it means that, like, these... Uh, touch wood like these semi-finals have the potential to be very very lopsided yeah. if you look at that other side of the draw and the teams like yeah. England I think they'll be happy they're under the radar Argentina have been dreadful Fiji have a lot to prove Wales I think similar to England not quite sure yeah. if they're good but mm. they've, they've impressed Yeah, but for one for two of those teams to come up against it could, the potential to be quite lopsided those semi-finals I know because there's nothing much at all it, between the top four teams and two of those teams are going to get knocked out at the yeah. quarters 
it's such a shame the way things fall. But looking through the other results, Uruguay got the better of Namibia, 36-26. Japan beat Samoa, 28-22, securing England's place in the quarterfinals. Um, but Japan can still reach the final eight. Argentina, Chile finished 59-5. Fiji beat Georgia, as we mentioned, 17-12. Australia managed to get the win against an exciting Portugal team yesterday. That game finished 34-14. And South Africa did what they needed to to beat a competitive Tonga team, 49 18 and you mentioned the other side of the draw you have Wales England Fiji possibly Argentina although Japan as I said could still make it through by beating Argentina next week yeah like do any of those teams look like contenders to you um the only team on that side would really be England to me like and I know Wales love and Gatland is there and Gatland loves almost like cup rugby Mm -hmm. um and and getting his lads up for it and let's just do the basics as well but yeah, and they were good. They were really good against Australia. But then you have to remember how bad Australia have been. They're like a, a rabble almost. Like so, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of like they're they're all getting confidence. And this is it's almost like as we spoke about Darren even saying before, like somehow Wales will end up at a Grand Slam or we'll be all here in a month's yeah. time and Wales will be world Wales champions. Wales tip but, away yeah, quietly. Yeah. They have the momentum. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I'd still say England would be the only ones you'd really kind of be fretting about if you're playing against them. But even still, you'd fancy. Yeah. the chances of the, of the bigger sides I won't just say Ireland the bigger sides you fancy sides, to... it's nice to, for anyone in Wales and England watching at home not to be considered a bigger side <laughs> in, in terms of talent maybe yeah yeah England Con- controversial showed a bit of a bit of creativity against Chile do you think things are clicking for them um I think having that great result against Argentina and then the opportunity just to kind of cruise the rest of the group get a bit of confidence is definitely going to be good for them where I think that side of the draw has a little bit of a chance is the I think of the teams I was on the Fiji bandwagon um, but I'm, I'm I'm hanging on it now I'm not sure as a fan all over yeah. it but as are they genuinely going to yeah. go far in this competition after the weekend Could I thought Portugal beat them next week you know technically Australia still have a chance of getting through if Portugal so beat them at, at the time when Fiji beat Australia I think I had underestimated how poor Australia were um, and it was the Fijian basics I was impressed with yeah. um, their set piece was better they were kicking their discipline was better t- taking their three points yeah. not the stuff we associate with Fiji at the weekend it was the complete opposite. It was exactly mm-hmm. what we, uh, per discipline, missing kicks at goal. Line it was an absolute shambles. And ultimately, the game was won from an absolutely absurd offload from Botia. And that's what we associate. Like, you're not going to go really, really far in this championship without strong, or this World Cup, any World Cup without strong basics. So, on that side of the draw, it's <clears throat> Wales and England that I'm looking at going. Um, the RGs, I, I used to keep they've thinking, are going to come good, but they've been dreadful. Yeah. Where that side of the draw has a chance is because the strengths within those teams, um, mainly Argentina, Wales and England, lie in actually disrupting better teams. Mm. And I think they're actually more suited to going out and, and just, do you know what I mean by that? Like, can they go out and really disrupt a French team? Yeah. Definitely. Like, can yeah. Ireland play Wales and Wales be quite negative and disrupt our flow and uh, and start squeezing us and force errors and then <laughs> nick a win? That's how they're going to win. That's how mm. they would come out on top. Um, but... Overall, I actually think it's made the, the, the competition more interesting. Like, technically, it's not fair that there's going to be two key teams 
go out at the quarterfinal, but like it's a rugby world cup. It's not about fair. I think it's I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you were a neutral, if anyone's a neutral, I think it's good viewing. Yeah, yeah. What about France? They have the Dupont thing hanging over them. Mm. You said you saw a picture of him. I haven't seen that. Mm. He's he's back training anyway. He's back. I think he'll be back. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's like whatever plate has been inserted, like you just see a little. Um, it's just a tiny little black eye. Like you would even you wouldn't even think there's anything wrong. He's smiling, so he's able to smile, which is very. I've important. never seen him smile before. That must be that must be <laughs> added in the surgery. <laughs> Actually, maybe that's what's got. Maybe they did a bit of work on him when he was in there as well. But uh, his if, lips are amazing. <laughs> if they get him back, then yeah, that's um, you know they'll be much more confident about themselves yeah. then as well. Like so, um, yeah, they're they're kind of cruising. That that pool is pretty much wrapped up on that side of the, of the draw as well. Like so. Uh, interesting like you know it's an interesting World Cup in terms of like um, I suppose it was too much of a slog you would have from a player's perspective probably you'd love that break that you're going to get in the middle of a World Cup rather than going week to week to week and getting battered all the time but it's strange from a fan perspective where it almost feels like like it's taking a break you know like and now you're back and you're back at the World Cup and now the teams have to go full throttle at each other again like so um, yeah for France and New Zealand it's such a strange World Cup like they both basically had their big game a month ago almost and then in two weeks' time, they're going to play like yeah. a quarterfinal. So strange for them, but like all you can think is of like, I, I suppose, are they going to be better served that like it's really going to, be, going to begin from the quarterfinals? Like this is when the real competition begins. Yeah, like, the so. business begins now. In, yeah, strangely, yeah. 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 Are, is it how you would have imagined it and predicted it at this point heading into the final pool game? Australia probably aside. You, that was my answer. Yeah, okay, great. Um, <laughs> So what would I have predicted at the start? Um, I backed Ireland to beat South Africa. I backed France. Yeah, the, probably the only real two real sh- two the two things I think um, who's not overperformed, but who's impressed. Um, I suppose you got to lump Fiji into that. Mm. Um, probably England and Wales are the two that you they had big question marks, but have have really kind of um, they've delivered so far. And Australia being nobody thought they were going to be that bad uh, outside of that it kind of has been as you suspected mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. like, there's been a couple of wee results here and there like you wouldn't have expected it they have been sort of humiliated by that number but outside of, I don't think we've seen a lot of things that have astounded I me mean, maybe like you know Portugal got a draw against Georgia that's interesting but mm. nothing's really astounded us yeah. has it yeah that's it like the, only, like, it's, the big one for England is like yeah, they're almost because they're, they're away. They're playing in the state of France, well, so they're almost away from the World Cup, and they're just going to arrive in the quarterfinals as well. But their big one then is Farrell's back now, and they're playing better. Well, they actually weren't they weren't playing great at all, but they were more confident as a side with forward there. And then you have to accommodate Farrell again. Whereas if that was the Irish setup, I don't know. It's like he's he's not in the same would form he come as Jackson. Back in? Yeah, like so would he have been like Conor Murray is almost like put on the bench like Henderson is, and your role is going to be to finish this game mm-hmm. off for us, but. They almost it's almost like this England football thing with Gerrard and Lampard and they always had to play them together but like it, they're probably a better team if Farrell's on the bench like but are they going to have the is Bortwick going to make that call like you know it's a big it's a yeah. big call like so um, yeah and, and they'll get to the semis and they'll they'll give a good you know they'll be really confident about how things are going to go for themselves as well like but yeah they're a surprise, but they're not they're not playing great as well. But um, that's the, yeah, that suits them. I definitely yeah. think it's been like because they had it with Smith for ages, didn't they? Or oh, should they play him? Should they? But England, like England, are at their best when they all play. And if you look at Borthwick and where he's come from, and like uh, like of Wigglesworth there as well, like they're not a super. They're they don't suit a super creative style of they rugby. They play a pressure game. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at like. <clears throat> 
that result against Argentina, as poor as Argentina were, like that's what England suit. Yeah. And it took a red card for them to realise that actually if we don't play any rugby, we're quite good. Like and <laughs> you know, George Ford, those drop goals, phenomenal yeah. kicking penalties, that really suits them. It doesn't it actually doesn't suit them to play like Danny Kerr with Marcus Smith and have this really loose flowing it suits them to just play no rugby at all and put the squeeze on. And when they do that, they're good and they are probably better off with one of the the, the two at ten, and then mm. two big centers. Yeah, um, and it's going to be really interesting because mm. you can see both sides of it. Okay, final word before we finish up: Ireland, Scotland. Give me the result. Um, I think uh, you did. You not say it was a dead. It was a dead ringer. <laughs> it was a dead third. <laughs> one. No, listen. Uh, it's not being disrespectful. It's not taking the Scots lightly. Um, it's going. Ireland will be well prepared. Ireland don't have in- injuries. Um, so I expect Ireland to perform to a level that will beat Scotland. Yeah, I'd be the same as well. Yeah, like I think even from that chat with Ian Madigan, he pointed out, he said you have to go back a long way to find out when Sexton last lost the game to Scotland and it's 2011 in a World Cup warm-up, like, you know, which wouldn't have been taken that seriously as well. Like, so... Um, 12 years 12 wins I think like so all the stats and, and, and form and logic would point towards Ireland winning um, there could be a, a card like there could be a red card decision other than that if, if both sides keep 15 players on the pitch I think Ireland would win a spicy affair so yeah oh yeah and, I think and, it will be, There'll be I think there'll be a lot of bite I think Scotland yeah. are gonna, I mm. think Scotland have yeah. Scotland genuinely have nothing like they don't have anything to lose they're going to come out and just absolutely rip into Ireland. Mm-hmm. So it should be a good game. Yeah. And what about you, like yourself now? Just if you want to just shout out for the Scots now, you can if you want. This is your no, chance I, to back I'm, 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 I'm happy to go with my stats and, <laughs> and, and look at Ireland for a win. Mm. Yeah. Okay, we have a lot to look forward to. My thanks to Darren and to Pat. We'll be back on House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken next week. Until then, enjoy the game. Slangophone. Sports Joe presents House of Rugby together with Heineken. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.